today I am joined by Toronto-based storyteller. Would that be a fair assessment, Sean? Yeah, that's that sounds about right. <laughs> I did my best to do my homework. You have an atypical history when it comes to your introduction to comics. You're still a musician, but played in punk bands, interned at a recording studio. It was at your boss at the recording studio that introduced you to comics? Uh, yeah, I ended up uh, living with him for a little bit, working at the studio. I ended up just looking at some stuff on a shelf and just kind of diving into comics from there. We're, we're close in age. We all kind of grew up in the realm of superheroes in the 90s. We kind of have an opposite experience as far as life in the arts. I started off wanting to be a comic book artist and just never really felt like I could express myself visually and ended up uh, a songwriter. Uh, you started off in punk bands and made it to art. So what kind of bridged that gap? Was it just the comics? I always liked superheroes, but I could never really read the comics growing up just because they were they're a little bit expensive, especially here in Canada. I know that single issues for a little while were like four ninety nine, uh, and that was in the nineties. So yeah, they were always like just a little too expensive to read. But if I was lucky, I would get the uh, encyclopedias and the trading cards and stuff like that. So I would actually still keep up with you know superheroes were doing and uh, their aliases and their powers and their relationships with each other, just not through the comics, which is like kind of a weird thing but so I always kind of had an interest in superheroes and then once I got to the point where I was making enough money to you know pay the bills and keep a little for myself I decided that I was just going to start reading comics like week to week and that mm -hmm. was that was in my 20s and then since then it's just I don't know I just Really, really wanted to see if I could get into it, if it, if it was something that I could do, I guess. it was. How old were you when you really started putting pen to paper and going down that avenue? Oh, I think I was about 25 or 26. I can't say that it was just like one thing that, that made me want to do that. I felt like it was a combination of a whole bunch of different stuff. You know, you're a musician as well, and music is just all about storytelling. Like you're telling a story. Is, is why we make music. There's a lot of overlap between telling a story with music and telling a story uh, with comics. And when I was in bands, I would always want to write the lyrics and come up with you know stories and ideas and stuff to get across. But being in a band is hard. There's so many moving parts uh, in, in a band. Uh, the more people you have, the more challenging it is to find the time to get together and to never mind writing, but also playing as well. And so what drew me to comics was like comics is the opposite of that because you end up you could do it all yourself if you you can do that with music as well like there's no no one saying that you know you can't write record uh, mix master all of the music yourself but it's a little easier with comics uh, because it's you know there's all you need is a sheet of paper and a pencil and there's nothing stopping you from being able to do it yourself. So I found that very attractive. When I was listening to a prior interview that you had done, there was a comic that you spoke about, and I wasn't familiar with it. I guess it was one of the first things that you really read of your bosses. Yeah, it was probably uh, Chester Brown's Louis Riel. Yes, I, I had not read that, and uh, I'll have to, to get uh, the spelling of that to see if I can go look it up because I was not familiar with it. 
you also uh, talked about Watchmen. I mean, it's a literary work. Was that maybe one of the things that really showed you early on uh, what comics could be? Yeah, it showed me almost immediately uh, what comics could be. And it was kind of a funny jump going from uh, Louis Riel, which is a Canadian history comic, to, mm. you know, one of the the best graphic novels of, of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's Watchmen. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's been discussed and dissected a gazillion yeah. times. The thing is, if you've read it, you know how important it is, not just to the industry, but to people learning about superhero comics, because it just right. cuts them apart, right? It just acts that idea. Was there a sense of the type of stories that you wanted to tell or was it just that you wanted to tell stories there yeah no there was definitely a sense of uh of the type of story i wanted to tell almost from the beginning because all of my favorite stories doesn't matter what medium they're in uh it could be video games music you know ballet theater Mm -hmm. everything all of my favorite stories are really sad. <laughs> uh, so it was almost immediately like, okay, I, I want to make people feel the way that I do when I consume my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of kind of the direction that I, I decided to start working in. Okay. When I read Terraquil, one of the things that you did uh, reminded me of a work that I later uh, heard that the, you enjoyed, and that was uh, the Dark Tower series. Oh, yeah. Terraquil, from the beginning, it seems like that was something that's very ingrained in you. How long has that been with you? Uh, since about 2015 or so. All of the stories in Terraquil were all just stories based off of my opinions on certain aspects of life or how I was feeling at the time or my relationships with certain people. Mm-hmm. So it all kind of came, I, I want to say, like naturally, right? Because I felt like I didn't really have to think too hard about it because I was just writing about how I felt. Just and then, like you mentioned, you know, Dark Tower was a huge reference. So I, I took a little bit of like a, my, my favorite properties and asked some questions like, why did they make the, the decisions that they made? Why do I have such an affinity for them? And man, Dark Tower, have you read The Dark Tower? Oh, it's sitting right here next to oh. me, every, all, the entire series. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. It's uh, like the world building that Stephen King put together, especially, and not just in Dark Tower, but you know that that series ties all of his books together and puts right. them all in the same uni- like weird universe, right? It's such a neat uh, thing that he put together, and I think even more so than just the story of The Dark Tower, the world building is is so good. It's so phenomenal. It's very interesting how his things connect together. Like you said, like he happens to be the prophet that this story was revealed to or something like that. Like it seems so rich and it's so familiar, but at the same time, he turns it on its ear. So kudos that you were able to remind me of something that I obviously have such a love for uh, that's never a bad thing, especially if it's King. Yeah, absolutely. His uh, his work, uh, it stands. Some of the best stuff I've ever read and also some of the most inspirational stuff. Alan Moore, Stephen King, probably by far two of the most 
influential people, they've always taken full advantage of the medium that they intended their stories to be in. Coming to this medium in your 20s as a viewer, as an audience member, it really seems that what you're doing, that you really love this medium, that it is where these stories belong. Is that something for you that's very important for those who come to your work and, and, and read it? It is. I do want to allow people who pick up anything that I've done and read it. You know, if, if it's their first book, I want them to fall in love with comics and the medium. It's it's a goal of everything that I write is to to at least create that opportunity. And hopefully it's done that for a person or two over the last few years, because uh, that is the goal. I just uh, it's the best medium that I've ever worked in, I think. And like I still love music. I still make music almost every single day, but nothing has allowed me the expression so far that comics has. I know that how I came into knowing your work was just simply through social media and you had the better place comic. Uh, it was just a stack of, I don't know, it was over a hundred pages that was, that was laying there. And I was like, wow, that, uh, that looks pretty substantial. And I, you know, dug through your social media, saw, uh, you know, that your style was really drawn to it and, and just was like, Hey, I, I want to talk to this guy. When it comes to being an artist and obviously transitioning from what you were doing to what you're doing now, was your visual style something that you had already been drawn to that type of art in the past? Or was it more of a uh, just a natural progression from where you started and how you ended up? Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, but I had no idea how I wanted to draw when I started working with comics. Uh, I knew the type of books that I thought looked the best in my mind. And actually, since I started drawing, that's changed significantly. (laughs) But back in the day when I was first getting started, it it was like finding a style is hard. It's not sometimes you you end up just stumbling onto it. But uh, I, I looked at the artists who I enjoyed and I tried to combine their work into like one mind, I guess. And that was my approach to style, at least. It's changed since, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it changes more over time. You know, I I still have a hard time when people say, oh, this looks like something you drew. (laughs) You know know what I mean? It's just kind of, oh, I I can't tell at this point. Uh, But that's cool. That's neat. As far as influences, is there anyone that has stayed uh, throughout that whole process, someone that when you see it, you're like, yeah, I just ugh, I just really love that because your artwork is very, uh, very beautiful. Like it it lends itself to that type of appreciation. So, uh, yeah. Do you know who Akira Toriyama is? He's a manga yes. artist. He uh, drew yeah. Dragon Ball for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he uh, I grew up with that show and then later on. Uh, got heavy into the comics or the manga and uh, just his artwork is uh, I, I have two of his art books that I just every week I'll crack those open over a, a cup of coffee and just study his line work and 
ask why he made the decisions that he might have made and just try to really dissect everything that that is in those books uh question his color theory and his cartooning design choices uh, he's just i think he's one of the all-time best not just manga artists but like sequential illustrators that i've ever seen uh and yeah i i, I can't obviously say enough good stuff about his work because <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> When it comes to someone that is pushing, you know, and trying to make their career and their living as an artist, it's very interesting to hear them be a student because I think that is one thing that is uh, when you're in a creative process that you never stop doing is learning and, uh, you know, becoming better and adapting and, you know, to the storytelling techniques. Uh, it's one of the things that I always like to hear people talk about because, it educates you as a reader and as a an appreciator when you hear people talk about those things. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I never want to stop learning. If I had it my way, every every month I would discover somebody new whose art I, I've become absolutely infatuated with. And most you can do is just keep keep your eyes open and keep an open mind whenever you see a new piece of artwork. Ideally, we're just always learning, and that that never stops. Even when we start teaching, we're still learning. So. One of the panels that really stood out to me where grandpa walking off and his daughter-in-law that's at the headstone, the moon is in the middle and you can turn the page. And no matter how far I went through that story as, as the pages progressed, I just kept coming back to that. That was in the script written by Easton Deverna, who's the writer for Samurai Grandpa. Uh, he also has an amazing understanding of comics and sequential storytelling. Uh, and that, that page was all his idea. He wrote that down in great detail, knowing exactly what he wanted to see. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's uh, just such a, an excellent comics partner to have. What was his reaction to that page? Uh, he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, I, I think it would have been hard to to have any other uh, feeling yeah. other than being satisfied when you saw it. It was cool. It was neat. Becoming an artist is, you know, a huge feat. When it comes to your storytelling, you write stories for you based on how that you feel. The protagonists of your stories that I've had the opportunity to read thus far have been ones that are also atypical and their age uh, seems to be maybe in the later parts of their life. Is that a specific thing for you as a vehicle to tell the stories you want to tell? Was that on purpose, I guess, is the question I'm trying to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Drawing stories about old people and children. <laughs> <laughs> I find that there's just so much room to, to yeah, there's just a lot of room to, to figure stuff out uh, at those ages. A lot of, uh, like, I will almost always opt into telling stories about children and the elderly, if, if I can. I really enjoyed what I've read so far about the Bridge Builders Creed Yodel and his struggle to accept things. I think that is very universal. It's something that I've obviously struggled with in my life. We want things to mean something. Our attachment and how we explain our worlds personally and, and, and what we value, how that changes from generation to generation is something that's very universal for all of us at different stages of our life. 
really identified a lot with him. So I'm, I'm really excited to see. I think you said there are five chapters as it expands. Yeah, there should be about five. The whole thing's already written. I'm just trying to find a time to draw it. <laughs> I was actually working on it for a few hours yesterday, just very slowly. I think I just wrapped up chapter three yesterday. So there's only two left. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll it'll be out there sooner than later uh, this year. But, yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Thank you. It's It's been like a, it's been a really fun story to write. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as it's wrapped up, I'll try to put out a post about some of the decisions that I made with, like, I would love to talk uh, more about it, but without the ending out there, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can never, ever say how I actually feel about it. Cause that might give too much away. Hopefully when that day comes, <laughs> you can hop back on and we can discuss it in length if you want. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That'd be great. Tell me about Better Place, this, what was it, 150, 140 pages? I can't remember exactly what you said it was. Is Better Place got any connection to Tara Quill and these other stories that you've been telling, or is this something completely independent? Uh, it doesn't. This is a story written by uh, a, a screenwriter named Dwayne Murray, who's a fantastic writer. He's been a an incredible uh, partner to have on this project. And when he pitched me the script for this a few years ago, uh, usually I have to read the script a few times and, you know, to, to really digest it and decide if it's something I want to draw. But his, I kind of knew like halfway through, <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is a book that I, I, I have to draw. And I'm happy that I did because I'm, uh, I'm proud of the, the work that we did together. It's uh it it should be a really fun, sad book, I think, which is <laughs> a very fun, sad book. Yeah, that's all. On your writing side of things, has it boosted your confidence as a storyteller to want to write more? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yes, it's uh, working with Bob Sally, who is my ogres collaborator. Uh, working with Easton, working with Dwayne. Every time I read the stuff that these people are sending me it's hard to want to keep working on our stuff together and not <laughs> just <laughs> drop it and be like okay I gotta get some writing in on my own they're three of my biggest influences in comics right now just because of how much fun they are to work with and how much they trust me with their scripts and just how good their work is it's just it's amazing but yeah like working with people like them it really makes me want to increase the level of my storytelling kind of take things up a notch. Everybody, all three of those people have been amazing at letting me get my feet wet with a little bit of writing of my own or making suggestions to the story. Like it's a very true collaboration. There's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, it's been like the perfect comic relationships that I could ask for. That sounds encouraging. In the past, I've, I've spoke to people and it's always it's, it can be very delicate. When we were talking about music, you know, with your chip tune things that you're doing, that's kind of like your art, you know, your comics. You you control all of that and you're able to do it and you're not dependent on anyone else. As a singer-songwriter, I was always just the, uh, the guy on the guitar, which, you know, I could set up anywhere basically and tell my stories. 
but being dependent on other people to craft this thing and to to add that dimension to it can be very scary and it can be very uh very challenging to do that and hope that things don't get lost in translation so I'm sure that when it comes to comics, it's kind of the same ideal when you're not a visually creative person, but you're trying to produce a visually creative thing can probably tip either way. So it sounds like you've had a good experience. Yeah, I have. And and those those guys are very, you know, even if they don't draw, they're so good at just like closing their eyes and seeing exactly what they want to see and just getting it down onto the paper. And sometimes they'll just have a very vague idea. Like, you know, the, a panel description might only be dialogue and they're not telling me what direction the characters are facing, what type of shot to be using. And it's just kind of like a do what you feel that you should be doing in this uh, situation. And, you know, I, I appreciate that equally as much as I appreciate a huge, uh, gigantic panel description with all kinds of, uh, cues and and stuff like that but at the same time it's just so nice to have a balance and to have a very trusting working relationship with the people i'm very grateful that i get to to do this with them trust is important in any relationship so that's it is yeah yeah, it's, yeah it is um and yeah it's, it's it's hard with music uh you know there's so many moving parts and how long have you been in bands for? I started playing music. Actually, uh, I was a bass player by trade. My parents sang and played music, so that was my introduction. Uh, a lot of people uh, where I live, I live in West Virginia in the U.S., very country, uh, a lot of gospel influence. I was briefly uh, in a band in high school. It was a ska band. Nice. And then I loved writing, but I really just kind of was thirsty for that community aspect of being in a band. And I was actually the oldest, but I hopped in this metal band because it was a bunch of guys I knew. And they were young. They were fun. They were good guys. Uh, It was about the music. There was no drugs and alcohol, not that type of thing. It was really just... They really loved music and they really wanted to play, so that's what we did. And so that that was a, a great experience. I never really got into the honestly, it's like politics of being in a band <laughs> yeah. until I was literally in uh, in my thirties. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been thirty on the nose. Oh yeah. It's just like uh, the whole Stephen King killing your darlings, you know. Those songs and those stories uh, are so ingrained in us and they're so personal. That's one of the things that I struggled desperately with was uh, trust. Number one, because I didn't – I knew what the songs meant to me. I didn't have – like you were talking about the writers you work with that can be so detailed in in closing their eyes and seeing visually uh, the potential of of what they wanted to bring to life. I didn't have that. Right. I was I had a skeleton and I knew that it had a heart, but fleshing all those things out, I really had to trust. And that took a lot of maturity on my part to adapt and to accept. And in the end, I was proud, but it didn't come easy for me. Sure. That, and that's fair. I mean, it, it it's hard to you know relinquish control over something that you've put so much time and effort and literally like a part of your life and your soul into 
And that's kind of the challenge of any artist working in a collaboration with somebody. It's I, I feel like that transcends medium where it's not unique to one or the other. But mm-hmm. it's it's uh, yeah, it's like the eternal struggle of the artist, I think. And uh, I feel like there will just come a point in in any artist's career where they realize, like, just got to take a deep breath, make sure that I trust the people I'm working with and let go. Kind of, you know, perform your own little trust fall. I went over initially to Bandcamp and saw your two albums on there and then made my way to SoundCloud. There's like a plethora (laughs) of stuff that you have on there. You know, with the titles of your songs being comic-based, the album that I sent to you is very influenced by comics the first track on that album is called lsok which stands for the last song of krypton so right off the bat you got a superman based song going back to the dark tower just that whole opening line of the man in black fleeing across the desert and the gunslinger was going after him just that stark iconic picture in your mind is just one of my favorite things of visually just how you can convey something when you listen to my songs, if I've always been visually based in the way I feel. Right. It's we're so lucky that we just get to draw, you know, our influences from uh, maybe lucky isn't the right word, but it's, it's great that we get to draw our influences from, you know, all these things that we like and then put them into, you know, something new that hopefully does the same for somebody else down the line. So it's almost like alchemy. You've got a big pot and you're throwing all these things in and, Somehow the sum is equal to more than the parts. I greatly appreciate what I've got see so far and read. Uh, looking forward to what you have coming up. Please uh, let me know. I will share whatever you send to me. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate all the kind words and taking the time to read all the stuff that uh, is out there. You know, feels like it's growing more and more every year, which is good, but it's adding up. <laughs> yeah, that snowball. Keep rolling <laughs> it down the hill for sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanks for uh, taking some time out and talking so uh, we can hear a little bit about the inner workings and the things going on behind the scenes. I appreciate you and I hope to have you back soon. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate it as well. 